So he's like, I'm ready. But please, I don't see uh, Mark Pond back here because I can't really see that far. But please talk to Mark Pond, Julian, or, or Ileana Aguilar for the last three spots to help. Because uh, we do. And you think about the, the youth that we've had up here worshiping. And how many, I think about Daniel Lithenwalter, he came up through the children's ministry circuit. And now he's up here helping us to let go of everything and to worship God. You guys have that type of impact. That's what we have, and I pray that uh, we do really answer the call uh, and we get those last volunteers to talk uh, with Mark Pond or the Aguilars afterwards. But as we continue our series in Mark, uh, the Gospel of Mark, let's go, let's pray, and then we'll jump into the Word of God. Amen? Dearly fathers, we come to you this morning. I am humbled to know that the only reason that I can breathe right now is because of the breath that you put in my lungs. The only way that I'm able to, to process light in my eyes so that I can have vision is because you've given me that. And the only way that we can see you and that we can experience you and have a relationship with you is because you gave your son Jesus so that we have a way to you, the Father. It's humbling to know that as fragile as we are, as quickly life can be over, as quickly as it starts, that it's held together by you. And I pray as we jump into your word, as we jump into your scriptures, that we learn how to fully maximize the breath that you give us, the words that you give us, the vision that you give us, that we can maximize it in a way that when we get to see you one day in heaven, that we'll say, Lord, I gave it my all. What you provided me, I gave back to others. I know some of our problems, some of our challenges is overcoming our past, overcoming our history, overcoming sometimes our own culture so that we can see you. And I pray as we jump into your scripture and see how much perception plays in our lives that we can make our perception your perception. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you all can turn with me to Mark chapter 8, we're going to come out of that for today. We're going to journey, as we've been doing for the past about month and a half, going through the gospel, seeing Jesus in motion, seeing Jesus in action, and how he helps those that he had come in contact with. But we had a blow-away time in worship last week as Michael Burns really opened our eyes to the effect that culture has in our lives. It was, I mean, I was talking about that with different people throughout this whole week because it was just so eye-opening. You, you know, you go through life, it was almost like The Matrix, right? Uh, the movie The Matrix, like you've been living life a certain way and then the scales come off. You're like, wow, I didn't notice. You know, for, for those of us that got bad vision, you know, the first time you got glasses and you figured out that, wait a second, People, you're supposed to be able to see people five feet away from you, right? <laughs> Cleared up the vision so much. One of the things that can hurt our vision, as he had mentioned, and that we're going to continue to build on today, is our upbringing. 
Because our upbringing shapes how we perceive things. And as an example, you think about this. How many of you guys love pit bulls? Okay, we got a few. How many of you guys wouldn't have a pit bull come in your house? Wait, wait, wait a second, man. They're the same animal, guys. Some of you guys love them and some of them, you don't want them in your house. Why is that? Perception. History. How many of you guys have owned a pit bull before? All right. Perception, your history, your experience really shapes how you see things. And as we look through this passage of Scripture, we're going to see how important it is, how important perception really plays. And I'm, I'm reminded of the old Chinese story of a former, an old former. His horse, he had horses, and one of his prize horses ran away. And all the village people came to him like, I'm so sorry that your horse ran away. And he was like, okay, maybe it's bad news, maybe it's good news. Then the horse came back, and guess what? It had another horse with him. And guess what the village people said? They said, man, you're so lucky. Not only did you lose your horse, but it came back, and now you got two horses. Is that good? He's thinking, maybe it's good, maybe it's not. Then his son, trying to tame the wild horse that he just acquired, was riding the horse and got bucked off and broke his leg. The townspeople are like, oh, that's so bad. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, right? <laughs> then, then their country went to war. And guess what? His son's age people were all drafted to war. But because his leg was broke, the son didn't have to go to war. And of course, you could think of the, the former, thinking, is it bad or is it good? And I say that story because perception is in the eye of the beholder, right? It all depends. Some of us are glass half empty, empty folks. Some of us are glass half full folks. But I pray by the end of our time today, as we look at this interaction that Jesus had with Peter, that we could start seeing through Jesus' eyes as much as we can. That we could see through his perspective and not through our own history, through our own experience and, and make our experience create truth and, and make truth be what, what it is. Here in Mark chapter 8, verse 27, we have this interaction that Jesus has with his disciples. And they're a little north of Galilee in Caesarea Philippi. And we'll pick up in verse 27 here of chapter 8. And we're just going to, I'll make sure I explain this. We're going to have one slide here because unfortunately last night I had the blue screen of death in my computer. I guess y'all know what that perception means, right? That means I have no computer. I have no PowerPoint. But guess what? I still got the word of God, amen? We're still going to preach that. But here, in Mark chapter 8, verse 27, I'm not getting them back yet, not yet. Verse 27. It says, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist. 
Others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. In other accounts, it says you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Verse 31, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him inside, and he did what? He rebuked him. Wait, is this the same guy who just said that, Jesus, you're the Messiah, you're the anointed one, you're the Son of God? And guess what happens? He turns right around and rebukes him. You know, this is just speculation here, but you think about what Peter and them were going through. They had been traveling with Jesus for two, three years up until this point. And they seen him do miracles. They seen him give sight to the blind and bring the dead to life. And they knew that he was someone more than just a prophet and just a teacher. And you think, you put yourself in Jesus' shoes and, and the apostles during this time. He asked the question first, who do people say I am? You're like, okay, well, I can just answer that real quickly, right? Oh, they say this, they say that. But then Jesus brought the question home. Who do you say I am? And I can imagine, you know, they all walking and having a good time. And then he say, who do you say? And then they, they all stop. They're like, okay, who's going to answer first? Is it going to be Brandon? Is he going to answer first? You know, is it going to be one of the Daniels that's going to answer first? be one of the sisters maybe that is traveling with Jesus. Are they going to answer? Then Peter speaks up and said, you're the son of the living God. You think about Peter, what he was thinking. He was thinking that Jesus, he wasn't going to just reign in heaven. He was going to reign here on earth. When he thought about the Old Testament scriptures that prophesied of the anointed one, he thought that he was going to be an earthly king. It talks about in Acts chapter 1, it was like, hey, Jesus, when he came back and resurrected, are you going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? Are you going to be king? Are the Romans going to finally, are we going to get them out of here, and we're going to reign like God had us do at the beginning? That was Peter's perception. And guess what? Peter's perception ended up building his truth about who Jesus was. And what ended up happening? He rebuked the Son of God because God's plan didn't match up with whose plan? Peter's. Have you ever had that happen to you? Where you had a plan, you had it all, you had 38 steps of how things are going to happen. This is what I'm going to do after high school. This is what I'm going to do after college. This is what I'm going to do once I get that promotion at my job. This is what I'm going to do once I get married. This is what I'm going to do once I have kids. 
this is what I'm not going to do once I have grandkids, right? But then God says, I got a different plan for you. Your history, your perception, the way that you saw things happening, it's going to be different. Then we have the opportunity to decide who's going to be Lord of our life. Who's going to shape how I see things? Because as we saw last week with the message about our culture, if we don't change radically how we view things, we can push a lot of people away. Plus, the truth that can come in and help us We'll push that away also. And the question I have after looking through this, going through this, I was like, okay, Jesus, what are you going to do now? Peter, the guy that, that just professed you as son of God, he did everything. He said the right things. And now he rebuked you. Jesus is like, okay, what do I do now? This is going to be the guy that builds my church. In the next few passages, we're going to really connect with these next few passages. Because when it comes to perception, when it comes to things that we don't see that's true, but everyone else sees as true, Jesus gives a blueprint on what we need to do to have a mind change. How do we go from point A to point B? How do we go from saying Jesus is Lord to trying to rebuke Jesus and have him get behind me and follow my ways versus his ways? What did Jesus do? Look at verse 33. You guys with me? Verse 33, Mark chapter 8. This is what Jesus ends up saying. When Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have the mind, the things of God, but the things of men. Then what did he do? He called the crowds to him along with the disciples, and he said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and the words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his father's glory in the holy angels. Guys, we have a blueprint. When our perception is wrong, when things just are not adding up or things are not balancing out, Jesus says this is what we have to do. We have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. What does that mean? Deny yourself. Let's take the first one. Because we just just established earlier, just with a small example about pit bulls, right? That our history, what we've been taught, what we've been experienced, it shapes our truth. And our truth ends up becoming a whole bunch of culmination of what we experience and what we've been taught, right? So Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you have to do what? You got to deny your 
self. Some of the things that's, that you've held on to is true. Some of the things that you held on that is gospel. You need to set it down and listen to what he has to say. You think about this, this term, deny. You know, to, to ignore, to disown, to repudiate. To know that the things that are in my heart, the things that are in my mind that are not of God can put me in the exact same place that Peter was in. Where he understood it on a head level, but when it comes to the heart level, he didn't make the connection. And we've been there before, have we? Think about that. Denying yourself. How often... Have somebody come into you and said, hey, brother, sister, this is what I see in your character. This is what I see in our interactions with one another. But because of your past, because of your history, what do we end up doing a lot of those times? We build up the wall. No, hey, why are you coming to me? Why didn't you say that to the other brother? Why didn't you say that to the other sister? Why didn't you... Say it like this. Why don't you say it like that? Because our history, because our perception, it shapes our truth. And now when the truth really does hits us, we're not ready to receive it. So Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to be my disciple, guess what? You're going to have to deny what's in your mind right now. You got to deny what's in your heart right now and pick what I have. And I think about in Romans, in the book of Romans, chapter 16, it talks about the flesh and the battle of the flesh. Turn with me real quickly to it. We're going to thumb over. We don't have it on the screen here unless you, you guys memorize memorized Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. But this is what we have that we're going up against. Romans chapter 16, verse 17. I'm going to read it real quickly. It says, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. You know, Peter, he had an opportunity to fall in line with Jesus But instead, he had things in his mind how things should go. And he learned a lesson, right? He learned a lesson that he would not soon forget because, right, it's in the Bible now, right? (laughs) He can't deny it anymore. It's right here. We can read it. But you think about how important it is for us to know that in and of ourselves, a lot of times, We don't want to choose God over what we want. Have you ever been been somewhere? You know, it might even with volunteering for Ignite, right, and and helping. You're like, oh, yeah, I want to do that. But you know what? What if the singles end up going out and and having a meal together and I have to be there early to usher? The flesh starts fighting. The flesh starts battling with us. I was like, man, you know what? I'm going to start waking up at 6 in the morning and have some time with God. I'm going to go on a prayer walk. 
you know, I'm going to sing some songs, you know, because, you know, I can't be up here on stage singing because nobody think I sing well, so I'm just going to sing outside to God, right? <laughs> then what happens when 6 a.m. comes? The flesh is weak. So God said, through Jesus, we must deny ourselves. We must say no to self and say that if God put it on my heart to get up at six in the morning to go pray, guess what? I'm going to go and do that. But what gets in the way? Self. So what did Jesus say next? Not only do you need to deny yourself, but what did he say after that? Carry your cross daily. And what happens on the cross? People what? They die. He said, if denying yourself is not enough, what do you need to do next? You need to die to self. It reminds me, have you ever seen that movie, Pee-wee's Big Adventure? You you remember that movie? And when Pee-wee, he goes into the bar, comes out, Knocks over the, the, the motorcycle gang's motorcycles. They bring him back in. They slam him on the table. And they're like, what are we going to do with him? And they're like, we, we should kill him. No, we're going to do this to him. And then this one guy says, I say we stab him. Then we tattoo him. Then we hang him. And then we kill him. And they're like, yes. And I'm like, That's what Jesus is trying to tell us to do with ourself, our inner self, not just deny it, but we got to crucify ourselves. And that's tough sometimes. You're like, but Clint, Jesus, he made me pretty awesome. (laughs) I can sing, I can dance, I make good grades. I'm very smart. I dress pretty well, kind of like John Moore, right? And you're like, Jesus, I need to deny this. Guess what the answer is? Yes. Why? Why is that? Because when the rubber meets the road, Jesus says, I don't want any competition. I don't want any competition because you will lead yourself astray. You will think things are all good. You think things are all right. But what I have for you is truly 100%. What I have for you is truly all you need. And you think about the flesh and crucifying that. Uh, in another passage in Romans chapter 8, I'll read it to you real quickly. In the Romans chapter 8, verse 12 and 13. Paul, as he's writing to the church in Rome, he says this, Romans chapter 8, verse 12. He says, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, flesh, self, you will die. But if by the spirit you put on death, or put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You know, it's like a paradox, right? 
He said, if you try to please self, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, guess what? You will live. Because you will die to self, live to Christ. Let me ask you guys this question. You know, as we were going through the story of the, the Chinese former, let's put ourselves into his shoes. Where different things are happening in our life, and we get an opportunity to interpret it. You know, this past week, uh, one of our cars got wrecked. And do you think it was the older car or the newer car? You guess right. How'd y'all know? We didn't even post it on Facebook and y'all knew, right? That's what happened. Our newer car is the one that got wrecked. And like the Chinese farmer, I'm thinking, man, that's terrible. What is it? My family is still all right. My children still all right. Still able to worship God with you. I still have a relationship with God. I'm able to walk. Amen for that. So all these different things that we just enumerated, sometimes they get thrown down the wayside when one bad thing happens, right? Or two bad things happen, the three bad things. But then we're reminded of what Jesus said, carry your cross daily because you're going to have to die to self. And every time something negative happens in our mind, we get an opportunity to decide, am I going to have faith and trust in Jesus? Or are we, are we going to struggle similar to Peter did and say, no, Jesus, you got it wrong. I know you're the son of God. I know I said you was the son of God. You're the Messiah and you're the anointed one. You're still awesome, Jesus. But things can't go down like you're saying they're going down. We get an opportunity every single day to carry our cross and how that helps change our perceptions. Because then, what do we have to do? We have to come to grips of our past. We have to come to grips with our history. We have to come to grips with our experience and decide that, am I going to lean on my own understanding, like the song said that we sung earlier, or I'm going to lean on Christ and his understanding? And guys, that's tough. I mean, we can, we can think about times, be it a car wreck or be it a, a wrecked relationship. It's things that are happening in our life that test us, that calls us to the carpet and say, who's going to have our allegiance, me or Jesus? But after we deny ourselves, after we carry our cross, then Jesus said one last thing, guys. You're going to have to follow me. You must follow me. Because guess what happens when you follow Jesus? Just like what happens when you hang out with your family. Your family's characteristics start rubbing off on you. You follow Jesus, guess what? His characteristics are going to rub off on you. And we want Jesus' characteristics, amen? I mean, we love our family, right? You know, people look at me and they're like, okay, yeah, I know who your mom and dad is. And they're like, amen for that. But I want for all of us that people see us and they see Jesus. But guess what has to happen? We must 
We must follow Jesus. And to really illustrate that, we got our first through fourth grade in here. All of our first through fourth graders, that all, you, all those that are in that age range, do you want some candy right now? Because I got some candy up here. If you through first through fourth grade and you want candy, I want you to come up here on stage right now. Walk, walk, walk. I got candy. I have, uh, I have six pieces of candy, so the first six that come up here, we'll get it. Okay. All right, so we're going to stop with you. Come on in. Come on in. All right. So you don't get the candy until we, we end our demonstration. All right. So since you're the tallest, I'm going to have you come up front. All right. So this is what we're going to do. Nicholas, get him behind her. You're going to be Jesus right now. I know. It's like we're watching, um, what's that movie called? I can't even remember the movie called. With the black woman that was God. What's that movie? Shaq. Thank you. The Shaq. We got the Shaq happening right here. All right. So we got Jesus. This is what I want you to do. I want you, all the kids, I want y'all to follow her. Oh, Malachi, you can follow her. Come on over. Oh, no, go sit down. It'd be better to sit down. This is what I want you to do. I want you to walk off stage, go around the speaker, go around this speaker, and then come back up here. And I want all you guys to follow her. And I'm going to tell him something before you go. You got to follow Nicholas. I'm going to be a good disciple, okay? I'm going to be Peter. All right, so Jesus, take the wheel. Okay, keep going. All right, we got Jesus and his disciples of all nations. Uh oh, we got one disciple going the wrong way. One disciple. All right, disciple, you can come back up here. I'll. Come back on up. All everybody's up here. Everybody keep on coming, disciples. Keep coming, disciples. I don't know if you guys noticed, but one of the disciples, he tried to go his own way. And they all passed the test. Because what happens sometimes, instead of following Jesus, what do we do? We follow disciples. We follow man. We follow woman. We follow the person who introduced the gospel to us. And Jesus says, not only do we need to deny self, carry our cross, follow me. We must follow, you must follow Jesus even when someone that is as special as he is. Even if they go the wrong way, what do we got to do? We got to hold on to Jesus. We got to keep our sights on Jesus because the world will continue to try to get you to go left or go right. It will try to have you stop when Jesus is continuing to go. But they're going to make great disciples one day because they continue to follow Jesus. Let's give it up for our youth today. All right. And so in the very back, hey, you can come on up. So y'all four, in the very back, 
where Alexa is, uh, there, there go the rest of the candy. So y'all can go back there and grab some of that candy, okay? All right, let's give it up for our disciples again. Here you go. There we go. I wanted to end with that because sometimes we need to see what good looks like, right? We need to see that even if the person that is helping me in my campus ministry, if they were to go awry, that does not affect my viewpoint of Jesus. Even if one of our wise brothers or sisters were to go awry, that does not affect our perception, our implementation, our application of the word of God because Jesus is still there. But the only way this happens is we're following and keeping our eyes on Jesus. You know, if for those that are pursuing God right now, hopefully that's all of us. Be it disciples or not disciples, hopefully we're all pursuing God, amen? But I got a question for us. What has been your perception of who God is? Who Jesus is? What the Bible is? What self-denial means? What does self-crucifixion mean? to carry your cross daily. What's our perception of being a disciple of Jesus? And is that perception in line with what we get from the word of God? Because all of us have heard many different things that sound pretty authentic that are not true. And for all of us that are pursuing God, And maybe you haven't started following Jesus yet. I want to challenge you to sit down with somebody here. Today, open up the scriptures and see, this this is a misconception that I have. Help me to see the truth. Help me. Because I do want to follow Jesus. And when the world turns left, I want to continue to go straight towards God. But maybe for some of us that are disciples, maybe we stopped pursuing God. We started making excuses of why we can't be those that deny ourselves, carry our cross, and follow him. And if we fall into that boat, I want to challenge you as well. Sit down with somebody. Talk about what's going on in your heart. Talk about what's going on in your mind. Because this is the place where we can do that, amen? That's one thing I appreciate about Jesus, that even though he was the Messiah, the Son of God, Peter felt comfortable enough to rebuke him. Do we have relationships where we feel comfortable enough to say the hard truth with each other? You know, I appreciate my relationship with you guys. I remember having a tough conversation with, with Ron and Chad earlier today. Well, they had to tell me some truth about me. And we get the opportunity to where we can buck up and put up our walls or say thank you for sharing the truth with me. Guys, the only way that we're going to change our perception, especially the perceptions that are not the same as Jesus, the only way we're going to do so is allowing the people 
that God has put in our life to speak the truth to us, to point us back to the word of God. And I challenge every single one of us to examine our lives. As we get ready to take the bread, as we get ready to take the juice, or the fruit of the vine that represents the blood of Christ, this is an opportunity for us to evaluate our own perceptions. And has our perception been shaped too drastically by our experience and our histories and what we've been taught and not enough by the word of God? So as we pray, as we have this opportunity, I want to challenge us that this week, when you get with the people that are in your small group, to really look at that and examine. Maybe maybe, maybe for you, it's like, I, I don't want to share my heart with other people. I've been hurt in the past. I had a bad experience, so I don't want to share it anymore. Is that what God calls you to do? Or maybe, hey, I tried to read the Bible on my own, and I just didn't understand it. I just couldn't comprehend it, so I stopped reading it. What does God want you to do? Sit with a brother, sit with a sister that can explain it to you and give you the tools so that you can walk on your own. And maybe it's just the fellowship. Maybe we're not prioritizing the fellowship of the saints. Now you get the opportunity to talk about why is that? Is it a misperception, a mixed misperception of what the fellowship is? And it's not just what I receive from the fellowship. It's what I can give. Sit down with somebody and talk about it. Right now, as we go to God in prayer, let's really evaluate what's happening in our hearts and in our minds. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, I do thank you for this opportunity. This opportunity to examine what's going on in our minds and going on with our hearts. To examine, has Jesus turned left and we turned right? To be able to repent and get back in line with Jesus. Or maybe for some of us, we never started following Jesus. And we're at this crossroads in our lives trying to decide, is the world better than the Savior and the Lord, Jesus Christ? And I pray that even through the, the short little example we got between Jesus and Peter, that we could see that Jesus, he's not a monster. Jesus is not someone that only thinks about himself, but he thinks about our good as well. And not only does he do, do that, he has such good relationships with those, those disciples that they felt comfortable enough with Jesus, the Son of God, to rebuke him to his face, even though that they were in the wrong. Jesus, you are awesome. You are great. Our life will be nothing without you. And I pray as we evaluate some of the different things that we've thought that we've been taught that we can lay them by the wayside, that we can deny those things. And we can learn from some of those things. And when it's all said and done, that we carry our cross and follow you. Because God, we do want to be a church where Jesus is the head and no one else. 
We thank you again. We love you. And all this we pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen.